The San Francisco 49ers lead the NFC West. Listen to the theme song and let that sink in for a minute and we'll talk on the other side. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week two of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. And I'm sorry to have completely blown your mind there at the beginning of the show, but the San Francisco 49ers lead the NFC West. Unbelievable. What a performance last night in a game that most people kind of thought was NyQuil on turf. As a matter of fact, I fell asleep before the game ended. But, I mean, 28 to nothing? I don't think anybody saw... There were some people, myself included, that saw them winning that game. I don't think anybody saw them winning 28 to nothing. That was just unbelievable. What a what a poor performance by Case Keenum. Uh, I mean, look, Colin Kaepernick saw a game action in week one. Like, you know, predict that. But in any case, you know, great performance by San Francisco. And uh, holy cow, what a way to get kicked off. Now, week one, I had a really successful week one. Really successful week one. Extremely happy about it. Straight up, I went 12-4. and four. Anytime you get double-digit wins in any week, that's been a good week. Especially in those weeks where there's only like 13 games. Because that means you went 10-3. and three. But even going 10-6... and six, in a full week like week one, that's a successful week as far as I'm concerned, straight up. I went 12-4, and four, one of my most successful week ones ever. I'm incredibly happy about that. Against the spread, I went 8-8, eight and eight, and the reason that I'm happy about that is I went into the Monday night games 6-8. and eight. So I'm sitting there thinking, I need San Francisco plus 2.5 to work out just to break even. That's a scary thought. It did work out. 8-8 eight eight against the spread, and over-under, one of my most successful over-under weeks ever. Look, it's no mystery to anyone who has listened to my show before, I suck picking over-under. Like, ATS, I'm pretty good, straight up, I think I'm excellent, but over-under, I'm historically very bad at. And I'm, I went 11-4-1 over-under in week one. That's unbelievable for me, like, to hit double digits in week one, uh, yay like I mean that's honestly that's to me that's fantastic let's take a look at the platinum gold silver and bronze picks from week one very successful in those picks as well the bronze pick Indianapolis and Detroit that was the one where I really faltered I lost in all three segments I lost straight up I told you to take Indy they lost the game 39 to 35 to Detroit I told you to take Indianapolis minus four on the line. That didn't work out. In fact, they lost by four. So that was an ATS loss. And I told you to take under 50 and a half in a game that ultimately scored 74 points. So I think I had that one lost by halftime. So you know what? Let's just forget the bronze pick exists. And let's talk about the two picks that I swept. Silver pick. Seattle over Miami, that worked out straight up. They won the game 12 to 10. I told you to take Miami plus 11 on the line because that line was disrespectful to the Dolphins. What did they do? They only lost by two. So Miami plus 11, that one worked out. And I told you to take under 44 points actually in the silver pick 
and the gold pick, and both of those worked out. Silver pick, there was only 22 points scored. The gold pick, there was only 37. So both of those over-unders worked out as well. So I swept the silver pick. Gold pick, told you to take Houston over Chicago. They won that game 23-14. to And I told you to take Houston minus an, five and a half on the line. That worked out. They won the game by nine points. As I mentioned, under 44, that worked out as well. In the platinum pick, I told you to take Green Bay to beat Jacksonville. One of my favorite games from week one was Green Bay and Jacksonville. And I watched a huge chunk of it. And Jackson, what a great performance by Jacksonville. If if that's the kind of game that Jacksonville fans are going to see all season, Jacksonville is in for a very fun, exciting, and successful season because that was a hell of a game. Green Bay wins it 27-23. to I lost this one against the spread by half a point because I told you to take Green Bay minus 4.5. They won the game by 4. So I was a half point away from a push there, but a loss is a loss is a loss. I also told you to take over 44.5 points. This game hit 50 points even, so that was a win there. Overall, 3-1 and one straight up, 2-2 two and two against the spread, 3-1 and one over under on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. We'll take that any day of the week. Taking a look at the straight up and against the spread private pick'em pools. In the straight up pool, I currently sit in 9th place out of 28 managers. In week 1, I pulled in 101 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 74%. That's a successful week. Anytime you get over 70%, you're looking good. Shout out to our week one winner, Gilius Thunderhead, who is also now, of course, our overall leader. Had the same straight up margin as me, 12 and 4. Managed his confidence points a little bit better. 117 out of 136 for a clip of 86%. So shout out Gilius Thunderhead. You're our week one winner and overall leader in the straight up pool. In the against the spread pool, I currently sit 8th place out of 19, right in that meaty part of the curve there. Again, only went 8-8 eight and eight against the spread, so I was 8 for 16, which is a 50% clip. I'll take it for week 1, hoping to get better in week 2. Shout out to our week 1 winner and overall leader in a minute man who had a fantastic against the spread week 1, 12 and 4, 12 out of 16, 75%. So in a minute man, shout out to you. You are our week 1 winner and overall leader in the against the spread pool. Now for a segment I've lovingly dubbed Fantasy Corner, taking a look at my 8 fantasy teams, 4 public league, 4 private league. I only went 3 and 5 across my 8 teams. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy League, I had a loss in Week 1 to Billy B, formerly of Team Take'em, now of uh, Team Hatbox, I guess, making picks with the Hatbox Kid. Uh, I think I was projected to win that game, but it was incredibly close. It didn't end up incredibly close. Billy blew me out by about 40 points. So congratulations, Billy. You won the Week 1 matchup. Shout out to you. In Week 2, I have a matchup against the Bad News Bears, which I am favored right now to win, I think, by about 20 points. So that's a projected win. Hopefully, I hold on to even my record there at 1-1. But Billy got the better of me in Week 1, and I didn't have an overly successful Week 1 in Fantasy. And to round out our housekeeping, I will remind you that if you're watching this on YouTube, in the description to the video below, you're going to find all of my results from week one, 
all of my picks straight up against the spread and over under for week two in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's finest pick'em pools, both against the spread and straight up. Get yourself a shout out if you win a week. I mean, look, we're only one week into the season. It is way too early to discount the possibility of someone joining now and winning the whole thing. So get yourself joined up in either the straight up or against the spread pick'em pools. Put your picks up against mine. You're going to find links to other high quality NFL YouTube prognosticators, as well as a link to the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page. All of that information is in the description to the Yahoo video. If you're listening on SoundCloud or on iTunes, first of all, thank you very much because my SoundCloud is doing incredibly well, better than I thought it would be doing after one week. So if you're listening there, first of all, thank you. Second of all, go to Facebook, seek out the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, join up. We talk football all damn week. It's a great community. It's a lot of fun. Get yourself joined up and talk some pigskin. All right, six, seven, eight minutes of housekeeping, whatever. Let's get into the week two picks. We're going to start in Cleveland where the Browns are going to play host to the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens currently one of three teams co-leading the AFC North. The Browns, of course, in the basement of that division. The Browns with a 29-10 pretty comfortable loss there in week one. Uh, The Ravens with a 13-7 victory in week one. Now, look, I didn't think the Ravens looked spectacular on the offensive side of the football in week one defensively buddy they looked real good Baltimore allowed the fewest yards against in week one only 160 total yards against including only 95 through the air so they really shut down Tyrod Taylor and the Bills I think there's a great chance that Baltimore can have a repeat effort of that in week two as Cleveland is now going to be going to their second starting quarterback in two weeks as RG3 is now out long term with his shoulder injury. Uh, McCown is going to be taking over for the Browns, which I don't know if that makes the Browns better or worse. I feel like it makes them slightly less dangerous from the quarterback position just because of RG3's, the possibility that RG3 could take off and run the ball. I don't see that same kind of explosiveness out of McCown by any means. But what it does mean, I think, is probably a more dangerous, more productive first half of the season for Gary Barnage because Barnage does have a much better rapport with McCown than he does with RG3. So, hey, that's good for some of my fantasy teams. It's also good for Billy B who took him in the uh, the YouTube Progs League right ahead of me and I still haven't forgiven him for it. So hopefully that means better things for Cleveland's offense, at least from that level. Does it mean that Cleveland wins in week two? No, it does not. Uh, I like Baltimore to win this game, uh, even though it's on the road and Baltimore's a much better team at home. I just don't like the the possibilities here in what's going to be, I believe, a low-scoring classic AFC North matchup, trench warfare I'm going to take Baltimore. Now, on the line, however, Baltimore favored by seven points on the road. That is too many for me in what I think is going to be a low-scoring game. So i got to take Cleveland plus seven on the line against the spread. The total for the game is 43. I'm going to tell you to go under on that one as well. Uh, I think this is two offenses that 
aren't great. Like Baltimore's got to figure out that run game. It's a full blown running back by committee, hot hand kind of thing. But if nobody's got the hot hand, then the run game completely stalls. And it did kind of stall in week one. They didn't look great against an admittedly stout Bills defense. So I'm going to take under 43 on that one because I think Cleveland, that young defense, it's been retooled. They're looking to play better. I'm hoping they will play better to keep this game under. But Baltimore beats Cleveland on the road. I like Cleveland plus seven on the line and under 43. Let's go to Detroit now where I'm sure the Tennessee Titans will be happy to not play another team in the NFC North after this week. But uh, Detroit is going to be playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Detroit now again with that huge high-scoring win against Indianapolis. Upset win in Indianapolis in Week 1. They played a a really excellent offensive game. Matt Stafford doing Matt Stafford things. They won that game 39-35. Tennessee dropping a 25-16 decision defensive battle to the Minnesota Vikings in Week 1. If you're looking for these two teams on the offensive side of the football, look at the top of the list in the league for one and look towards the bottom of the list in the league for the other. Detroit put up nearly 450 yards of total offense in week one. Tennessee just 316. They did not have a great run game. I believe they only put up 64 or 65 yards on the ground whereas Detroit put up a buck 16 obviously Detroit has some very dangerous pass catching weapons namely Theo Riddick uh, in their backfield so Detroit's they got a lot of weapons I like Detroit in this game I think Detroit's gonna start the season 2-0 and and you know what based off of their strength of schedule which a number of people have mentioned Detroit has one of the easiest schedules at least from the defensive side of the football in the league this year, Matt Stafford could be a real sleeper here for 4,500, maybe even 5,000 yards. Stafford could put up huge numbers. I may have undervalued Detroit when I did the NFC predictions. I may have to eat some crow there to Half Moon's picks. He may be right. I may have undervalued the Lions this year. I think they looked really good offensively. Defense left something to be desired, but then again, they were playing Andrew Luck, so that can be said about a lot of Andrew Luck's opponents. I like Detroit in this game to beat Tennessee. However, if there is one thing that Tennessee can do well, as I mentioned before, it's defend the pass. So Detroit's favored by five and a half points on the line. I just get the sinking feeling that that's too many. So I'm going to kind of hedge my bets there. I'm going to take Tennessee plus five and a half on the line. It's a couple too many points for me. Maybe if it was three and a half or four, I might take that. But five and a half points little too many for me. Total's 46 and a half. I'm going to actually take the under here. I know Detroit's got a good offense, but their defense can play better than they did in week one. Tennessee's defense, I thought, played very well against Minnesota. If it wasn't for that fumble on the offensive side of the ball and a scoop and score, that game was very close. So I'm going to go under 46 points, but I like Tennessee plus five and a half, even though Detroit wins the game straight up. AFC East battle on tap, the New England Patriots uh, playing host to the Miami Dolphins. A huge opportunity lost by the Arizona Cardinals by not beating the Patriots in week one. Just some awful play calling by the Cardinals. They should be embarrassed by that game. And I believe one of their coaches even came out and said that was embarrassing. We There's no reason we shouldn't have beaten them. And he's 100% right. But New England starts the season 1-0, 23-21 over Arizona. Miami dropping a 12-10 decision to Seattle. But when you only lose to Seattle by two points in Seattle, 
Isn't it technically a win? I think so. I think it's technically a win. Um, but they're not going to get a technical win in this game. I love the Patriots in this matchup. I considered putting them in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. I didn't do that. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good in that game. He looked poised. He found his weapons. They did very well on the offensive side of the ball. 363 total yards put up. They put up 100 on the ground, 257 through the air. So their attack was diverse. They were able to run the ball. They were able to throw the ball. I thought they did very well. Defensive side, you know, they're in the middle of the pack. They gave up 344 yards, but they can be better than that. So, you know, I just, I like New England all day in this. Miami, look, Miami impressed me. Don't get me wrong, Miami impressed me. But Seattle's run game is overrated. Uh, Russell Wilson, I think, was dealing with an injury in that game. Uh, it looks like he will play in week two, but it looks like he was dealing with an injury in that game. So there were probably some mitigating factors there, even though plus 11 was still a, a garbage line. But I really like New England here. It's in Gillette Stadium. That's obviously a huge, a huge jump. They're probably going to get Gronk back for this game, hopefully get Gronk back for this game. It's got the makings of a blowout. Do I think it's going to be a blowout? Actually, I don't. I like Miami plus six and a half on the line here just because I think their defense is good enough to keep this game within one possession. So Miami plus six and a half. The line here is only, or the number here rather, the total is only 41 and a half. I'm going to tell you to go over on that total just because the number is so low. As a matter of fact, it's the second lowest total that's actually been reported. There's one game where there is no total yet, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So I like over 41 and a half. I like Miami plus six and a half on the line as the road dog, but I do like New England to win the game straight up. You like that? Division matchup? Let's talk about another one. Pittsburgh playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Pittsburgh with an incredibly impressive win last night over Washington. Just completely blew them out of the water. 38-16. to Meanwhile, Cincinnati, they pulled off a 23-22 win in Week 1. It was a close game. It was a fun, entertaining game to watch, as far as I'm concerned, over the New York Jets. But Cincinnati pulled off the win as I thought they would, although they didn't win against the spread. Isn't that Pittsburgh offense just a thing of beauty? Like, isn't it just just plain fun to watch? It was fun for me to watch. It was fun for me to watch how Josh Norman was not covering the best wide receiver in football. I don't know if that was a coaching thing. I don't know if that was a Norman thing. But goddamn, like, you're paying this guy umpteen millions of dollars to play the cornerback position and you're not going to put him on Antonio Brown for 80% of the game. Now let's, it's fine. Let's let the rookie cover Antonio Brown. It's going to be fine. I'm sure it'll, God damn it. You know, Pittsburgh, like there were, there was a point in that game and it's been well publicized, obviously where Look, it was a fourth and short, I think, or third and short, fourth and short, I believe it was, in Washington territory. Roethlisberger sees Antonio Brown in single cover on a rookie. And it's just like, that's just, like, that guy's going to have post-traumatic stress. Like, that's unbelievable. And he just audibles a run play and just lobs it to the end zone. And Antonio Brown laughs in the face of your double coverage and pulls it down for the touchdown. And I think that's going to be, we're going to see that a lot from Pittsburgh this season, I believe. 
And I think we're going to see maybe a, a degree of that in this game. I like the Steelers to win this game straight up to beat Cincinnati. Uh, just, I think, more so based on the fact that it's in Pittsburgh. I think if this game was in Cincinnati, I may be tempted to go with the Bengals. But this is going to be the Bengals, I believe, second straight road game. Is it not? Let's take a little peek there. It is. Now, granted, they beat the Jets, a good home team in New York. That's a great win. Second straight road game. That's difficult to start the season. And they only beat the Jets by a single point. I like Pittsburgh's offense all day here. The defense didn't look spectacular, but then again, Washington's offense did not look spectacular. They don't particularly have a run game with Matt Jones, which I feel kind of bad about because I drafted him in a couple of leagues. But uh, hey, you know, at least he's the only guy getting work. Uh, I like Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh's offense in this one. I think Pittsburgh beats Cincinnati at home. I'm also going to take Pittsburgh minus three and a half on the line just because it's only three and a half points. It's not that much to give up, even though it's going to be a close AFC North style game. I like Pittsburgh minus three and a half. The total here is 47 and a half. I'm going to tell you to stay under on it because Pittsburgh can play good defense. Cincinnati does play good defense. The offenses are fine, but again, AFC North, classic AFC North matchup. I think it's going to be a trench battle. D'Angelo Williams is not going to be able to run on Cincinnati as well as he ran on Washington. He ran all over Washington, in fact. I'll tell you to take under 47.5 on that one, but I like Pittsburgh minus 3.5 and, and Pittsburgh to win the game straight up. We are just all over the division matchups here. Another one. Let's go to the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys traveling to Washington to take on the Redskins. I'm not going to say too much about this game because I think Dallas is going to curb stomp them. I saw nothing from Washington last night to indicate to me that this is a good team. Kirk Cousins didn't play a bad game last night necessarily, but his offense scored fewer points in that first week than he is being paid in millions of dollars with the franchise tag this year. That's not a good sign. Meanwhile, Dallas, who was by no means an offensive juggernaut in week one, Dak Prescott looked good to me, even though he didn't find the end zone. He also didn't find 200 yards, but he managed the game very well. Zeke Elliott did get into the end zone, although I think he only put up 60-some yards, but he did find the end zone. Look, Dallas had a great chance to win that game if Terrence Williams wouldn't have had a little brain fart there towards the end. But I think Dallas is going to walk into Washington and walk all over them. So Dallas wins this game in a big, bad way. Dallas is three-point underdogs in this game. I don't know why. Grab that all day. Hammer that line. Dallas plus three all day, every day. 44.5 on the total. I like it to go over just because I have no faith in Washington's defense after watching last night's game. Dak Prescott may have his first 300-yard game. I think that's entirely possible. However... On a personal note to Jason Garrett and anyone who makes coaching decisions in Dallas, for the love of God, find a way to get the ball to Des Bryant. Pittsburgh does it with Antonio Brown. Atlanta does it with Julio Jones. New York does it with Odell Beckham. Like, you have to find a way to get the ball to your best players, whether that's putting Des in the slot, putting him in motion, sending him out of the backfield. Like, Pittsburgh does all of these things with Antonio Brown. 
So why can Dallas not do them with Des Bryant? Anyways, you got to find a way to get Des Bryant the football. I think that happens in a big bad way against what is obviously a very suspect Washington secondary. Dallas all day. Dallas wins the game. Dallas plus three on the line over 44 and a half. All right, let's go Kansas City and Houston. We'll we'll get out of the division matchups for now. Kansas City with an impressive 33 to 27 comeback win, a huge comeback win over the San Diego Chargers who did unfortunately lose Keenan Allen for the season. I think that is going to spell very early doom and gloom for them. Kansas City came back to win that game. Houston with a 23 to 14 win as we mentioned earlier in the game. Earlier in the uh, earlier in the episode, I should say earlier in the game. Yeah, this is a game. Why not? Yeah, you heard it. I said it. There we go. Houston at home. I thought Houston played very well uh, last week against Chicago. Not as well as I would have liked them to have played. Uh, I think they could have done some more against a relatively suspect uh, Chicago defense. A Chicago defense that I have absolutely zero faith in, especially given that Houston was at home. Houston's going to be playing a much better team this week. Kansas City, they had a good game. It didn't start off all that well, but the offense really started clicking when they started figuring out, hey, let's just throw the ball to Spencer Ware. Maybe Jamal Charles is back this week. Maybe he isn't. One way or the other, I think Spencer Ware has a huge, huge part of this offense. Kind of a Duke Johnson style kind of guy. Scat back catching passes, running the ball. And if Jamal Charles gets hurt, Spencer Ware is a top five running back for the rest of the season. Oh, geez, did I say that? Yeah, I said that. Kansas City is going to put up a hell of a game here against Houston. I still like the Texans here, maybe giving them the benefit of the fact that they are at home. But I like the Texans in this game to beat Kansas City. I didn't love what I saw from that Chiefs defense. So I like Houston. On the line, Houston only favored by two and a half points. That's not too many to give them. So I'm going to tell you to go Houston minus two and a half on the line. Or if you think KC's going to win, then don't do that. But I like Houston minus two and a half. Totals 43 and a half. I'm going to tell you to go under in this one just because Kansas City's defense can play well. Houston has a good defense. They can play well as well. There's explosive offensive players on both sides of this game. But 43 and a half, even though it's a relatively low, low number, I'm going to tell you to stick with the under. Seattle at Los Angeles, NFC West matchup. Not going to talk about this one for a huge amount of time because I think this is going to be a curb stomping. Seattle is going to destroy Los Angeles in Los Angeles because holy crap, they just got shut out by the 49ers. I don't care who plays quarterback, whether it's Case Keenum, whether it's Jared Goff. Goff, we would hope, is going to at least dress next week. So they'll have him dressed. Maybe he finds the game. Even if Russell Wilson is limited in this game, uh, Seattle all day. Hopefully they can figure out their run game the same way San Francisco did. San Francisco kind of ran all over Los Angeles in that game last night. I'm just looking for the number here. Let's see. Is that 150? Oh my God, that's 150 rush yards. Holy cow. Okay, so... Los Angeles can't stop the run. Yes, we can all we can all agree on this. So Seattle's going to have a field day. I like Seattle to win the game. Seattle minus three and a half. Now there is no total yet reported for this game. Whatever it is, take the under because clearly Los Angeles can't score. They got shut out by San Francisco. So whatever the number is, take the under. Even if it's 41 or 40, 
take the under. If it's 39, take the under. I like the under no matter what this number is. I will update it in the description of the YouTube video as soon as the number is released, but whatever it is, I like the under. Let's go to Arizona now where the Cardinals are playing host to the NFC South leading Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I feel like Tampa Bay is another team in the NFC that maybe I have to eat a little bit of crow on because, hey, look, they did it, man. 31-24, to Jameis Winston played a great game in week one, truly excellent. Again, Arizona should have beaten New England. They gave that game away with some terrible play calling, just terrible decision making. And Bruce Arians is a better coach than this. Carson Palmer is a better quarterback than that. So it just it just blew my mind how they gave that game away. I don't think they do it two weeks in a row. And I think they can stop Jameis Winston. I don't think Jameis Winston is a four touchdown per game type of quarterback. I just think maybe he is against Atlanta. Uh, who knows? Um, but I, I like Arizona to win this game. It's at home. They're a good home team. They're a good. I mean, Arizona's they're just a good team. The problem with their week one game is that defense did not play well at all. So that, I mean, look, stranger things have happened and the Bucks are already one and zero on the road. I mean, look, stranger things have happened, but I like Arizona in this one. I think Arizona beats Tampa Bay at home. The line is Arizona favored by six and a half points at home. That's too many. I'm hedging my bets. Tampa Bay plus six and a half on the line because I think their offense can keep pace. I think Arizona may have some problems there on the defensive side of the ball. The total in this game is 50. I'm going to tell you to take the over because I don't think Tampa Bay's defense is spectacular. And uh, Arizona's defense clearly uh, has a little bit of work to do. So even though it's 50 points, and I think that might be... The, that is the second highest line we're going to look at today. I'm still going to tell you to take the over on it. So Arizona beats Tampa Bay straight up, but I like Tampa Bay plus six and a half on the line and over 50 points. Let's speed this up here to get you through the last four. Oakland playing host to Atlanta. Atlanta, as I just mentioned, dropping that week one game. Oakland coming out and winning their week one game 35 to 34 very impressive win over the new orleans saints that was a come from behind a shootout what a ballsy decision to go for two uh to win that game really uh oakland showing what their offense i believe is capable of this season defense leaving a little something to be desired but then again it's drew Brees, so that kind of happens uh, they're facing another really good quarterback this week in matt ryan that atlanta offense can be good they need to figure out who their running back is. Now, look, I understand wanting to take a hot hand approach. I don't like it. I think Devonta Freeman, based on what he did last season, is this team starting running back. I think they need to live or die by Devonta Freeman. Nothing against Tevin Coleman. I think Tevin Coleman's a fine running back, but I think he should be more of just a third down guy, change of pace. It's kind of like having a 1A and 1B goaltender in the NHL playoffs. You never let one guy get hot. You kind of, you got to pick your guy and go with your guy. That's my opinion anyway. I know some people dislike that. What do you guys think? Do you like kind of the running back by committee, hot hand approach? Or would you prefer just kind of a pick, pick and stick? Pick your guy, stick with your guy until he gets hurt or just proves that he can't do it. This game's in Oakland in the black hole. I like Oakland to win this game. Atlanta does not travel very well. They got to come to California now, across the country, different time zones, all that good stuff. I like Oakland in this one. 
in a big bad way. Oakland wins the game. Oakland minus four and a half on the line. The total is 48 and a half. I like that total to go over. So I'm going to take over 48 and a half. Oakland minus four and a half. Oakland wins the game straight up. Let's go to San Diego where the Chargers are going to play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars again with that very impressive just four point loss to the Green Bay Packers in week one. San Diego had Kansas City dead to rights gave the game away, and it happened, coincidentally, right around the injury to Keenan Allen. I think San Diego's season is in the toilet. It's only one week, but remember what happened last season after Keenan Allen got hurt. This was a a 24-point-a-game offense that immediately dipped to somewhere between 16 to 18. Look, Melvin Gordon had a really good week one. He's going to be better this season. But you need more than just one running back. Like, you you need more weapons on offense. And I'm not sure that San Diego, outside of Antonio Gates, really has those weapons. So Keenan Allen's injury is massive to the Chargers. I think the Chargers lose this game. Jacksonville is going to cross the country, go into San Diego, and Jacksonville is going to beat the Chargers. Write it down. Tell them where you heard it. Jacksonville beats San Diego. I love Jacksonville plus two and a half on the line. The game, the total is 48. Take the under in that total because San Diego's offense has no idea what they're going to do without Keenan Allen. So Jacksonville with the upset straight up they beat San Diego Jacksonville plus two and a half on the line under 48 all right folks just two more games before we get into the platinum gold silver and bronze stick with me here we're going to get through this the Minnesota Vikings playing host to the Green Bay Packers what will be the battle for the NFC North this season in terms of who wins the division Green Bay on the road they had a win last week Uh, Again, Jacksonville looked very good in that game, but Green Bay doing Green Bay things. Aaron Rodgers showing why he's the fantasy cheat code, showing why he's probably the best quarterback in football right now, almost single-handedly winning that game for the Packers, although I did like what I saw out of Eddie Lacy. Minnesota, they did eventually get it together. Their defense making the play of that game with a scoop and score for the Vikings to win that game against Tennessee in week one, Green Bay is a better team. I'm just going to put that right out there on front street. Green Bay is the better team. I think the defenses are comparable. I think Minnesota has a slight edge there. I think Minnesota has a slight edge in the run game, but Green Bay has a huge, huge edge in the pass game. And I think I like Green Bay's secondary against Sean Hill better than I like Minnesota's secondary against Aaron Rodgers. That, I think, is going to be the difference. Green Bay wins this game. They beat Minnesota on the road in Minnesota. I love Green Bay minus 2.5 on the line. The game total is 44.5. I'm going to tell you to go under. I actually think this game stays under. I think Minnesota's going to struggle on the offensive side of the ball. They may not get to 20 points, and Green Bay doesn't gain anything by running up the score on a division rival. So 44.5, I'm going to tell you to go under. And the last game we'll look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, 
the Philadelphia Eagles, the 1-0 Philadelphia Eagles, traveling to Chicago to take on the 0-1 Bears. The Eagles, of course, with that very convincing 29-10 victory over Cleveland in Week 1. Their offense looked really good. Carson Wentz looked really good. They are playing arguably a better defense this week in Chicago, but I still like Philadelphia, even though it's on the road. Philly goes into Chicago. It's not a huge distance to travel. I think Philly wins this game. (coughs) I think Philly wins this game. I'm going to take Philly straight up to beat Chicago. I love Philadelphia plus three on the line. Give me those three points all day. Uh, 42 and a half is the total. Let's go over on it. I'm still not 100% convinced by Philadelphia's defense just because they were playing what was a not great offense for week one in Cleveland. So I'm still not 100% convinced. And Chicago has some weapons there, certainly on the passing side of the ball. Jay Cutler can get it done when he's in the right headspace. So let's go over on that one, over 42 and a half. But Philly plus three, and Philly wins straight up. All right, folks, now let's take a look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week two in the NFL, starting at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick where I swung and missed three times, 0-1 straight up, 0-1 against the spread, 0-1 over under, did not do very well. Now, the reason I did that is because I banked very heavily on the Indianapolis Colts. That did not work out. So this week... Obviously, logic dictates I go against the Colts. So that's what I'm going to do. My bronze pick is the Denver Broncos playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Look, Trevor Simeon, he didn't look... I mean, he, he looked neither bad nor good in week one. I'm just pulling up uh, Denver's offensive numbers here. Look, he only put up a buck 59 through the air. And that was almost matched by what they put up on the ground. Now, they put up a buck 48 on the ground. This is a very good running team. Trevor Simeon, in fact, can still run the football, even on his own. But like C.J. Anderson, what a huge game for C.J. Anderson. He's looking like an elite back. He was one of the top three scorers in standard fantasy football in week one. I think he puts up a repeat performance against a Colts defense that has a lot of problems. Like this Colts defense has a lot of problems, and now they're not even at home. Now they're hitting the road. Andrew Luck is very good. That defensive unit for Denver obviously is great. I think they can hold him in check enough. I still don't think the Colts have much of a run game. So I like Denver in this one all day. I'm going to take the Broncos at home to beat Indianapolis for my bronze pick. On the line, Denver's favored by six points. Typically, I would probably take the underdog in this one. I'm not going to. The game's in Denver. Denver minus six. I love that line. I'm going to take it. Total for this game is 45. I actually kind of think the total is going to go over because it's not like Andrew Luck is not going to put up his points. Luck's going to find the end zone probably twice. They may punch in a run or a couple of field goals or something like that. So I think there's a good chance that Indianapolis gets to 20 points. I think Denver's got a realistic shot at 30. So I think this is going to fly over 45 points, over 45 Denver minus six, Denver straight up, that's the bronze pick. My silver pick sees the New York Jets travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills in an AFC East matchup. The Jets now hitting the road after losing their home opener. They are a much better team at home than they are on the road. But holy crap, Buffalo. Like that was not good. That was really not good. 
in week one. You did not good things in week one. I expect better from Buffalo this season. Maybe this is still just a down portion of the schedule. I still think Buffalo has got a realistic shot at shooting for a wild card here, but I think they're going to start the season 0-2. I like the Jets. I love what I saw from that Jets defense. The offense looking pretty good, looking like they can get Matt Forte involved the way you need to get Matt Forte involved. Bilal Powell is a great weapon. They've got weapons on the passing side of the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like maybe he's figured it out a little bit. The mechanics looked better than they did in the preseason. I like the Jets in this one. I'm going to take the Jets on the road to beat the Bills. Right now, this game is a pick There is no line in this game. So, obviously, I'm going to take the Jets as a pick on the line. The total here is 40. I think this is a low-scoring game. I'm going to tell you to go under 40, even though that is the lowest line of the week. Of course, there is no total in uh, Seattle, Los Angeles, but that's the lowest total that we're going to look at. Even given that, I'm going to tell you to go under 40 points, but I like the Jets as a pick Jets win this game. That is the silver pick. Oh, and of course, by the way, it's worth mentioning, I swept the silver pick in week one. Here's the other pick that I swept in week one, the gold pick. 1-0 straight up, 1-0 against the spread, 1-0 over under. I love it. For my gold pick for week two, the New Orleans Saints traveling to New York to take on the Giants. The Giants offense, not quite as advertised in week one. Then again, they were playing a division rival, A, and B, a defense that I think is probably either a little underrated or overrated, depending on which demographic you live in, uh, in Dallas. But I think that offense is going to do very good things, especially against a New Orleans Saints defense that couldn't keep Oakland under 35 points when New Orleans was at home. Now they're going to go on the road into a building with an offense that is very good, making their home opener. That's going to be a hot crowd. Eli Manning is in for a huge day, I would say. This game's going to be a shootout again, but I like the New York Giants at home to beat the Saints for the gold pick. On the line right now, the Giants favored by five points at home. Hammer that Giants minus five, because this is going to be a very high-scoring game. How high-scoring? This is the largest total of the week, 52.5 points, and I am pointing towards my ceiling. Take the over 52.5 points, no problem. This game is going to look like the Saints game last week. So this is going to be probably a 70-point total, maybe more than that. I love over 52 and a half. I like the Giants minus five. Giants straight up. That is the gold pick. And my platinum pick where I am 1-0 straight up, 0-1 against the spread, and 1-0 over under, sees the San Francisco 49ers travel to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Now look, San Francisco, incredibly impressive in week one. I think it's awesome for that team that they went out there amidst, exactly as I mentioned, amidst all this Colin Kaepernick stuff and absolutely punched their opponent in the mouth. I think that's fantastic for this franchise. They're playing Carolina at home. I'm sorry. No shot. No shot to the degree that I think after those hits to Cam Newton... I would contemplate, if I was Ron Rivera, sitting Cam Newton because that's how confident I am that this team as a whole 
wins this game one way or the other. I would contemplate sitting him for week two, not based on performance, just based on those hits to the head. Just give him a week, whatever. Like, look, Kelvin Benjamin clearly is back and is a goddamn monster. I don't think there's anybody in that 49er secondary. Like, it's not the same as covering Tavon Austin. It's like trying to guard Patrick Ewing. Like, it's it's unbelievable what Kelvin Benjamin is capable of doing. And you're telling me that Carolina's backup quarterback can't find Kelvin Benjamin in the red zone? I'm pretty sure I could find Kelvin Benjamin in the red zone. So, honestly, I, look, I wouldn't bat an eye at it. Look, they're not going to do it. But I wouldn't bat an eye at it at all if they didn't, if they sat Cam as, or sat him as, a, like, dress him as a second quarterback. And then if they get in trouble, boom, send him in there. But... I wouldn't start him. I think I'd give him a week. I'd just be like, look, you know what? You got hit in the head a bunch last week. Take a week. Just take a week. Just just, just settle down. Again, they're not going to do it. But Carol, the only reason I'm talking about this so much is there's not much to talk about with this game. Carolina's going to destroy them. But they're not going to destroy them to the tune of 13 and a half points. That's what the line is in this game. Carolina minus 13 and a half at home. Sorry, this is the same deal as Seattle-Miami. 13 and a half, it's just too many, especially for a team that we just saw pitch a shutout in week one. Sorry, no, not going to happen. San Francisco plus 13 and a half, but Carolina's going to win this game comfortably. A 12-point win is comfortable, but it's a loss against the spread. So I'm going to hedge my bets. San Francisco minus 13 and a half. The total here is 48 and a half. I think that stays under. These are two good defenses, defensive-minded teams. Uh, Chip Kelly has that defense looking quite good obviously pitching a shutout but I mean they just looked like those good San Francisco defenses of a couple of years ago so 48 and a half is too many I'm going to tell you to go under 48 and a half on that San Francisco plus 13 and a half on the line but I love Carolina straight up that is the platinum pick before we do the outro and get you out of here on my CFL picks comment of the week all that fun stuff I just want to take a second and say thank you Look, the decision to take this show and make it a podcast was not an easy decision because it's one of those things where it's like the YouTube audience and just audiences in general, are they willing to accept something that's that long on a week-to-week basis? And clearly, what you've shown me is that not only are you willing to accept it, you're willing to embrace it. On YouTube, the week one episode has 900 views. That is awesome <laughs> to me. Like, it's it's great. Now, look, last year, sure, last year, my episode last year did incredibly well. It was well up over 1,000, but it was also 15 minutes, 14, 15 minutes. This is a 40-minute episode last week, and it's over 900 views. And, and it's clear that people were listening to a huge chunk of it because their comments are indicating that they were listening to huge chunks of it. So it's just, it's so fantastic to me. And, and thank you guys so much because it means so much. It really does because it was just a decision to try something different, try something that other people in the community are not really doing. And it's, you know, it's just awesome that you guys chose to embrace it. And not just on YouTube either. SoundCloud, I'm up to 25 followers on SoundCloud. Uh, I'm up to, let's see, the week one episode had 12 plays on SoundCloud and three downloads on iTunes. So it's great. You guys are, 
it's exactly what I hoped that it was going to be because it's, it's engagement on all platforms. And that's what really matters to me. I'm becoming more of an audio guy more and more as time goes by. It's just incredibly successful. And thank you guys so much because it, it honestly, truthfully means the world to me. All right, folks, that is going to do it for week two of the 2016-2017 NFL Picks show. Let's get to the comment of the week from the week one video. Comment of the week from week one goes to Jackie Boy, NFL stats man on Twitter. Uh, He's been listening to the show. He's been following the show for a few years, and he's uh, a, a good friend of mine on Twitter. We parlay back and forth a little bit. His comment was, from the week one video, misquoting Stringer Bell? Come on, man! For the record, this is talking about the line that says the king stay the king. I never said Stringer Bell said that. I said that Stringer Bell taught us the lesson. And as I replied to him, semantically, I'm in the clear because the Stringer Bell character teaches that lesson that was said in that line of the king stay the king if you've never watched the wire what are you doing watch the wire it's only five seasons and it's arguably the greatest television show ever made so thank you jackie boy for the comment you got the comment of the week from the week one video although geo's comment was pretty fantastic quoting the fudgios uh russell wilson and his new wife as well as the CFL, which he calls the Courtesy Flush League. And that's how we're going to end. We're going to end with my CFL picks for week 13. Picking weeks 11 and 12, I went 5 and 3. It's arguably harder to pick the CFL than it is the NFL because people don't cover it. There's people in Canada that don't cover the CFL. But I went 5 and 3 with my picks from week 11 and 12. Here are my picks for week 13 in the CFL. I've got Montreal going into Hamilton and beating Hamilton on the road. I've got Toronto going into Winnipeg and beating the Blue Bombers in Winnipeg. I've got Calgary at home to beat Ottawa, and I'm taking Edmonton in Saskatchewan on the road to beat Saskatchewan, the one of nine teams in the CFL named the Rough Riders, because that's a funny joke apparently still. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Bridgewater's Finest. It's all there. Search that up. Find me. Such a successful week one. Hoping for a repeat performance here in week two. What did you like about the picks? What did you not like about the picks? Let me know in the comments section below. Were you impressed by San Francisco and their demolition of Los Angeles in week one? All that stuff. Let me know. Let me know everywhere. Find me on Twitter. All that jazz. Week two is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for it. We'll see you again in week three.